It is your birthday. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. People pay me to sing. <laughs> Happy birthday, dear Audrey. Yay! Happy birthday to you. Yay! So this is the 30th birthday special for myself. Dun, dun, dun. Because, <laughs> because I don't have any sponsors. This is an independent podcast. I don't give a shit. And also, I'm a drink in. My tolerance is low. Um, so I'm here with Heidi Jostin, who is not yet as ancient as I. Um, Only she by is, a few months. She is a tiny, tiny baby of <laughs> 29 years old. <laughs> And I love her I very remember much. remember the last time someone called me tiny. So. <laughs> You're a tiny, tiny baby with a big personality. That's it. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> um, and she's here celebrating my birthday with me with uh, pizza and cake. And we're going to have some champagne. Hell um, yes. 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 And we're going to talk about what it's like to be 30 slash almost 30. And like that imaginary deadline when your worth as a woman expires. plummets <laughs> just yeah expires. or it's just gone it's just gone <laughs> value is zero that's it you're an old cretin <laughs> you're a crypt keeper you should probably just go out into the desert and walk until you die I i'm sorry that got dark wait. really fast i can't wait till my worth as a human woman expires and i can just live the life that i want to. honestly like it's been pretty great these past great. uh let's see when did i actually <laughs> Literally, I've been 20 or I've been 30 for an hour. There it is. Technically. I was born Happy 6, hour. 17 p.m. on March 9th at Columbus Hospital. You're just trying to get someone <laughs> to read your birth chart with all of that, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, I've read my birth chart. Like, don't even worry about it. Like, I'm on top of it. People are like, I don't know my birth time. And I'm like, you suck. Look at your birth certificate. Like, Call your mother. Call your mother. I think call your father. I think that's on CoStar's instructions. If you don't know <laughs> your birth time, call your mom. <laughs> Like, she should know. She should at least have it, like, narrowed down to, like, evening or morning or afternoon. Something like that. I think. Yeah. I think. I don't, but I've also never given birth. Like, I, I think people are on a lot of drugs sometimes when they pop a baby out. And they I don't, maybe so. they don't it's remember. Painful. Yeah, I would take, like, if I ever have a kid, I'm going to take all the drugs. I'm going to be like, give <laughs> them all to me, please. All of them. <laughs> all of them. And also a bottle of wine. I don't care. The baby's fine. <laughs> I'll never be a mother. <laughs> well, you are a mother. I'm a mother to Your daughter's a beautiful in the next room. rabbit who's I just moved into a new apartment and it has more space and my daughter is too afraid to come into the living room because it's just such a big space coming from our full dining room. I said it, our full dining room <laughs> where she lives to the living room where I like to hang out and watch a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> 
that she'll get there she'll get there it's like we're working our way there i'm not trying to like force her i want her to like you know come in when she's ready consent is sexy yeah exactly consent rabbit consent to enter a room is very sexy and very important i hate describing my rabbit daughter as anything like remotely (laughs) close to sexy that's really upsetting Uh, (laughs) i'm so sorry georgie i love you um okay heidi you're 29. I am. I have a question. So, okay. <clears throat> so I feel like, I feel like you and I are kind of at an age. Um, I think there's like an age of women. I feel like even women who are just like three, four years younger than I am. Yeah. Some, some, uh, like some of those women have like a different vibe in terms of like expectations for themselves, expectations that they feel from society as women as musicians as professionals um I've lost my train of thought but um so like when you were younger say maybe a teenager or even in your early 20s kind of what were do you remember what some of the goals you had and some of the expectations you had for when you turned 30 ish Sure. Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to eat some pizza while you answer this. You need to eat that pizza. I'm eating pizza. Um, Because I'm going to talk for a long time. Um, (laughs) So something about me is I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Quite literally, just my small town was like 1,700 people. My graduating class was 54. And God, what? I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And that wasn't a private school. That was like the same people I went to school with for 13 years, public school, 54. And the... like both my parents are musicians it wasn't that I grew up without culture it's that just about every job that I have now I didn't know was a job Mm -hmm. or a sustainable living when I was growing up in Wisconsin Mm -hmm. and so a lot of my perspective and view as to what I was going to do um shifted according to wherever I was in my education so like as a teenager I wanted to major in musical theater and I wanted to perform because I thought that was a like one of the very few career options for me mm-hmm. um which is hilarious now because I'm now a composer teacher score engraver I'm a pianist it's still adjacent it is adjacent it is <laughs> but like the amount of careers where I was growing up as a teenager is you are either a performer or you are a teacher mm-hmm. it was one of the two nothing in between I didn't really even realize gotcha. that women wrote music until I was 18 <laughs> Which mm. is kind of strange considering my upbringing, but truly, like, I just didn't think that was a viable right. option. If you're not seeing tons of women, like, writing music, mm-hmm. that's not a part of your reality on a daily basis. Like, it's hard, literally hard to imagine. Right. Uh, Janine Tazori in her uh, Tony acceptance speech had this one quote right at the end where she said, women have to see it to be it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um. So when I was a teenager, like... I ended up majoring in pre-med for two years Mm -hmm. because I thought that's a job option and I can do music on the side. And the more that I was in different music classes in college, I was like, oh, no, I can actually like be a composer. Yeah. I can do a bunch of different things and, you know, schlep together a living. Mm -hmm. Um, But like when I was a kid, by 29, I expected to be married with at least one child. Whoa. I know, but that again, that's that is the reality of where I grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, you did the things, you did the things that you wanted to. Nobody told me that I 
necessarily couldn't do this. It was just expected, like, make sure whatever you're doing, you have the money to support a family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's, yeah. How about you? I know you have pizza in your face. No, it's fine. (laughs) I can buy a little time. <laughs> I also like reacted to what you said with pizza in my mouth. So I was like, hey, great. It's um, perfect. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think back. It wasn't until I was like, I mean, it was my parents are both musicians. They've both been freelance musicians like pretty much my whole life. That's and awesome. I agree. I think it is awesome. Yeah. Um, and um, and so like. Being a musician was something that I definitely did see as, like, a way to make a living. I thought of it as a real job for sure, like, from a pretty early age. Um, More than, like, I think some of my peers, like, when I was a teenager, like, other kids um, playing cello. I remember being at this camp. I think it was when I was, um, I did, like, a Suzuki Institute program at Ithaca College, and there was this kid who... I I think I said something about how at that point I was like 15 or 16 and so it seemed like more of a an option when I was you know maybe 12 or 13 I was like I haven't been doing this that long I don't I don't like I'm not good at it and because I wasn't when I was 12 like <laughs> were any of us good at anything at right, 12? Like, <laughs> like we definitely weren't good at being people with social skills absolutely when we were 12, not. that's for sure <laughs> um much less like playing jello um my fine motor skills were still developing. Um, <laughs> Same. And like, so when I was 15 or 16, I mean, I still like, you know, obviously I wasn't ready to be a professional, but it was something that was a possibility in my mind. And I remember sure. this one kid being like, oh, like you want to go pro, like really confused. And I, it's not like he was meaning to be like offensive about it, but like, um, at the time I was like, you, I, okay. I don't know. He probably like went on and like became a doctor or something. Sure, bro. I'm trying to remember like what I mean, I think I it I think for a long time I didn't have specific goals beyond just trying to make a living as a cellist. Um I think it's not like my parents ever uh it's not like they were not encouraging or anything like that, but they I think they were never like overly like you can do anything like you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think they were very realistic about like how hard it is to be a musician and um yeah and and I think I also had a sense early on of like you know when you have kids and you're a woman and you're a musician like it can be hard to make sure that you like maintain your career how you want it and sometimes yeah, I don't. I think that can get very complicated, and I think I had at least a little bit of a, an an inkling of that from fairly early on. Like it definitely oh, yeah, in my absolutely. early twenties, and yeah, I I don't think I necessarily thought that I was gonna be like married with kids or anything when I was thirty. But I, um, yeah, I think it was for a long time. I think it's it's so many times over say from when I was 15 to 25 to now um those aren't the same increments 15 to 20 to 25 (laughs) to now um (laughs) sorry that bothered me um (laughs) just like my idea of what kinds of things I could do and that I was capable of and things that could make me a living have really morphed just over and over and over again um absolutely yeah and and I think 
yeah, it wasn't like things about like being a woman in music specifically that I there were a lot of things I didn't even see or really think about until I was probably, I don't know, maybe 25, something like that. Like I was always pretty like, you know, women are equal to men. And that is very important to me. Like that was right. I think that was pretty in, much in the front of my brain. But um it wasn't until probably in the last five years that I started being like, wow, all these groups have all men in them and it's not a big deal. But when you see necessarily a, a group of all women, it's like, oh, look at this girl group. Right. You know, right. What I, like things like that. Mm-hmm. I They didn't those didn't stand out to me for a long time. And then it's kind of I mean, I don't want to like blow it out of proportion, but it is kind of like once you see it, you can't unsee it like a right. red pill kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, and like, and it's, I always get, sorry, I'm like going very far afield here, but like, um, it, it's, I'm always very conflicted because there are so many male musicians, so many friends I have who are men who I respect and admire very much right. as professionals, as musicians, as, as artists. And, um, obviously I want to see them succeed and I'm happy for them and their success, but it's also like when you just see, like, for instance, I, you know, I think. I somebody pointed was somebody was talking to me recently about seeing a lot of bills with like all male improvisers for instance and it was like just like dudes 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 and it's just I think it's sometimes I think some men see it for sure and there I but I think there are a lot of men who and I understand why you wouldn't see it if you just see everybody who looks like you you're not necessarily going to think about the fact like who is missing you know, right. I'm sh- I'm pretty sure I've made that mistake when it comes to maybe not noticing that there are no, you know, if I'm in a situation and there are no black or brown people mm-hmm. um, in like in that setting, you know, I've, I'm pretty sure that I've made that mistake where I'm just like, oh, who's I don't ask who's missing from this equation, who's being left out. Um, I don't know. Wow. I don't. What was even the original question that I asked? I forgot. But anyway, I don't. What do you want to do after you graduate high school? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I definitely. OK, so like to circle back to my question, I definitely I think being like a cellist, there are so many uh, like built in institutional kind of like these. Oh, you play cello. These are the things that you can do with cello. Sure. And. And I think there was a time when I was much younger when I was like, oh, yeah, like I will audition for orchestras. I will like play concertos. And then I was like, I hate playing concertos. (laughs) This is horrible. And my body hurts. Um, (laughs) The chords are awful. I hate it. They're so hard. Um, Concertos suck. Wembley, on the other hand. (laughs) Wembley's great. Um, No, um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it's just morphed a lot. Like just I and I've realized that I I am so grateful to be able to do so many different things that I all love to do. Like, I don't want to do one thing. I've never wanted to do one thing. My interests have always been extremely varied. And the fact that I have the freedom and the like comfort to be able to to do so many different things is like really amazing to me. Um, I love that you touched on that because I've always been one of those people that can't do just one thing. Yeah. And that was something that growing up, I kind of not necessarily from my parents, but like just from society in general Mm. felt like one thing 
is what you get to do because the yeah. other the like has a treat um <laughs> because like family motherhood etc cetera, etc cetera, were just automatically implied and those are still things that I want but I've never been able to handle just being one thing yeah um just being a pianist just being a composer just being a vocalist etc etc mm-hmm. um th- that has never worked for me and the idea of um like I just uh kind of came face to face with a, a with a job that I applied for that at 22 mm-hmm. would have jumped at immediately because I would have said security benefits insurance right. blah 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 the salary was pitiful <laughs> and when it was when I applied for it and and like had it on the table at thank God at the right time I said no mm-hmm. because this would be the one thing that I would do and it would be a death to myself mm-hmm. and so. Like it recently for other reasons, like not to get stupid vague, came across my came across my desk again. And I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I turned that down. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be surrounded by incredible collaborators that like keep you working mm-hmm. because like I don't know if you've come across this. I found that like a lot of the work that I've gotten has been because people have been like, we need a girl in the room. <laughs> but it means that you and I have to perform at the top of our game a hundred percent because we are the representative women in the room. Right. If you're if you're like the token female and then you fuck it up, then it's like, oh well, look what happens when you bring a lady into the mix. Like she just lets everybody down and shits yeah. on it. Like I'm so, nobody's saying that actually out loud, but like. but the implications like the majority of the things like if I'm brought in to music direct something, mm. you bet I'm in a black dress and heels. Yeah. You bet that I've taken the the extra amount of time to curl my hair, put a full face of makeup on because I'm representing not only on, not only myself, but this project and yeah. I need to represent it to the extremes. And you have to like, you have to do this balance of like looking good, but also making sure that you're not like looking a certain way. That's going to be like threatening to anybody. Right. And like, uh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing, man. The, ba- the balance on do I glue eyelashes to my face for this event <laughs> is, a, is a conversation that I wish I wasn't having with myself on the daily. Do you? Okay, wait. Do you regular like at all regularly wear false eyelashes? As a treat. As a treat. <laughs> oh, my God. That is the opposite of a treat for me. No, it I is not. It's a it. terrible treat. It's a terrible treat. It's um, like it's like those. um it's like those unnaturally soft cookies that you can get from Jewel that have the icing on them where you eat them and you're like, this is amazing, but also <laughs> has like a very f- like funky aftertaste. And also you feel bad about yourself after you eat them a little bit. That is absolutely it. Yeah. Like I feel like that's false eyelashes. Um, false eyelashes. It all depends. If it's my gig, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing it for somebody else, I have found that it's easier to see my face if they're on. Oh, and so if yeah. I need to be especially conducting from across the stage or conducting from a large area as a music director. Oh, yeah. That um, that's sense. the reason to do it. Um, I hate doing it. Mm. I <laughs> if I don't have to, I won't. Yeah. Um, but it, it does. It's stupid how it makes a difference. Yeah, that is stupid. But also male conductors take note, glue eyelashes to your face. Yeah, put eyelashes on your goddamn face so you stop looking like a bunch of slobs, okay? You look terrible. As a treat. Just you look terrible. <laughs> can for once can you pull yourself together and put on some false eyelashes so you actually look decent enough for me to look at? Like that would be great. This feels very targeted, Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. I just like 
I just, I don't know. I'm just apparently <laughs> feeling very saucy. Um, <laughs> um, it's been a week. It it's really been, a week. been a week. Um, I've been eating so much cake because Liz Warren is out of the race. And yeah, she was flawed. She was, but like. Uh, nobody's a perfect nobody candidate. Like, perfect get the candidate. fuck over it, everybody. Right. Like, also, can you stop blaming Warren for the people who voted for Biden? Like, do, do you know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, if only Warren people would get on board with the Bernie. But I'm like, what about all the people who voted for like Buttigieg and Biden? Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I feel like we need to open that bottle of champagne. I think before, you're right. Before yeah. we discuss more politics, because with Beethoven 250 completely just overlooking Clara Schumann and everything. It's just like not a great year Let's for women. Pile on. Let's just pile it the fuck on. Okay, we'll take a little break. We'll take a bitty break. I know. I eat, I need like four hands, Audrey. Okay, wait. You can, yeah, just set that on so, the floor. The money's not going to come in. So we're eating our cake and we're drinking champagne because we're fancy bitches. Both of us being musicians have wished before for more than two hands. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> I've wished many times for more fingers. I, I want more hands, but I want five fingers per hand because I don't think I'd learn how to play the piano with more than five <laughs> fingers that's understandable maybe i just want longer fingers i think i just want longer that fingers. too i have donald my, trump hands my fingers are yeah my fingers are very short um <laughs> i've just I got g- these tiny little sausage links attached to like a mitt of a hand but i can barely reach a knife they, they do not look like sausage links they look they look like wonderful very useful hands they look like teenager hands i think they're great i think they're great <laughs> i bought a base like an electric base to learn like for fun right and i mean i've i've only very sparingly worked on it um because just like shit happens you know i mean and, um tour all that type a of tour stuff. <laughs> and then i thought it was broken and then i actually realized i didn't know how to work my own pa speaker because i'm an <laughs> idiot um but it's all good now but i literally i bought a like the the Ibanez, Ibanez, I don't know how anybody says it, but the um, the micro, like, short-scale bass. Oh, and wow. in reviews, they were like, it's great for my kids, <laughs> but it That's sounds great. So and funny. I was like, perfect. That's the right mm-hmm. bass for me, um, for my tiny baby hands. I actually bought a guitar that had a neck that was specifically a woman's neck. You're like, and I'm kind of like... You're like, That's a it, little patronizing. Is but it thank pink? God. Well, I was going to say, thank God it didn't come in pink. <laughs> So it's fun when I hand it to my friends that have oven mitts for hands, my guy friends, and they're like, oh my God, this neck's so small. And I'm just like, go away. I know. My friend who like came over and was giving me some pointers and like recommended a base book and stuff. He like, he was like, I'm sorry to say this, but it's really cute. <laughs> and I like, he knew how it sounded. Like he wasn't trying to be like yeah. patronizing. And I was like, I know it is really cute, but also I'm really cute when I hold it. So. Bam. There it is. That's actually my goal for the 2020s is to retire the word cute. Yeah. There was a. <laughs> or just saying was, it like cute. <laughs> somebody in my undergrad once told me, oh, you write music? That's cute. Jesus fucking Christ. And then you <laughs> shot them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> was that too much? Was that too strong? <laughs> I mean, our president said if he shot somebody on Fifth Avenue, nobody would do anything. Wait, so did he okay. say that? In his campaign. Jesus fucking Christ. 
Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, wait. I think the thing I started to tell you earlier was the fact that, okay, so I've been listening to Up First. It's a news podcast from NPR. Oh, sure. And I listen to it like every day. And, and I feel like, and it's not even like, they're not doing it as a bit. Like it's a serious news podcast, but they keep playing these sound bites of Donald Trump saying, you know, whatever about whatever, you know, often something important, for instance, like coronavirus. And um, he'll like say whatever. And then immediately, like after they play that clip, you'll hear one of the hosts of the podcast be like, and that's simply not true. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Where is Ron Howard just voiceovering everything like Arrested oh Development style? God. It wasn't. It's <laughs> bananas. <laughs> you're just like, what bananas country are we living in? What's happening? I am going to eat more cake over there. Yeah. Where this cake is really great. Heidi brought it. It's Audrey's birthday. And it says, happy 30th birthday, Audrey. And it's. Like the it should have said happy birthday, ever. Harry, but I failed on that account. So. Oh <laughs> <laughs> You're also not 11. So. <laughs> you know what? I'm. It's true. I'm not 11, but uh, I still would have appreciated. <laughs> but you know what? Having my actual name on there is also very valuable to me. That means a lot. I'm happy to do it. So was the lady at Mariano's. <laughs> so you mm. wait. You turned 30 mm-hmm. in November. Yes. Can you tell... Can you tell people what it's like to be a Scorpio? Well, okay. I mean, you could tell people that, but I mean, you could also describe to people like what you're, what you're, you're hoping to do for your Oh, my conundrum on my 30th birthday? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So because my whole life is a simulation, um, and I believe I'm just like, it's literally in the Truman show of my Mm -hmm. own life. Um, We're actually living in the matrix. We are living in the matrix. I don't know when I took the red pill, but here we are. Mm -hmm. Um, I, <laughs> my last day of my 20s is election night. Yeah. Which is yeah. <laughs> painful on every level you can possibly imagine. My last night of my 20s, I wake up on my 30th birthday on November 1st. Mm-hmm. November 4th. My birthday is November 4th. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm fine. Um, so the the Freudian slip. <laughs> so the first thing that I want to do on what is hopefully going to be a two-week celebration of no longer being in my god-awful 20s, but also like I'm like I'm not afraid of 30. No. I'm afraid of being able to apl- uh, not be able to like apply for things under 30. No. Like the like the Morton Gold ASCAP uh, young composers thing. Does it only for, go through your 20s? Only through your like you have to be 30 before what I, I just missed this last year because they didn't advertise it. And then the window of submissions was so short. I missed it. So like that shit? that thing sucks. That's, That's the only thing that sucks about turning 30. Yeah. I'm ready to as a female turn 30. Yeah. But. The first of many celebrations of turning 30 is going to be hopefully on election night, finding a piano bar in Chicago. If you're a piano bar that wants to host up in upwards of 200 people, let me know. Um, <laughs> where all we do is just sing musical theater tunes, Marie's Crisis mm-hmm. style all night and just drink. And s- we're going to have one or two people that'll watch 538 or, you know, Washington Post all night and I work in a high school so I can guarantee I can get at least one of my students to draw this like janky United States that's labeled with that guy from Germany's labels of like where all the states are where like half of the Louisiana purchase is just Ohio question mark um and then when states are called they'll just color them in because I don't want 
to spend the last night of my 20s glued to my television figuring out if like we might be okay or if I need to move to Vienna so (laughs) I like how those are the only two options are literally the only two options continue living in Chicago or move to Vienna that's it (laughs) um One of my favorite things in the whole wide world to do is to do like front room piano bar where it's just leading, not necessarily like dueling piano style, but like leading musical theater sing-alongs. Yeah. Going, you know, straight from part of your world into suddenly Seymour into empty chairs and empty tables. Wait, uh, so I'm going to be a (laughs) fuck-ass for a second and can you remind me what suddenly Seymour is from? Little Shop of Horrors. As you said it, I was like, it's Little Shop. And you Audrey, just don't know there anything. is a character I named know, Audrey. I know that much. I just work in musical theater. I don't know things about it. I just show up and I play the music, okay? You sound like every tenor actor I've ever heard of. I work in musical theater. I don't know about it. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. It's great. I should be sent to the moon. <laughs> it's okay, I'll move there anyway. No, I won't move there because this apartment is too great. Sorry, I'm like really so just, I'm just drifting from one topic Happy to another. Happy 30. Thank you. Thank you. You've earned this. You're Wait, fine. Wait, also, can I point out that, and I don't know if Katie will listen to this, and I, I mean this absolutely like with love, Katie Jacoby, who is the violinist on the Who Tour, which- She's incredible. Yes, she is- one of the nicest, most wonderful people, most talented people who I've ever met, and I love her. And and like she and I play on the Who tour together, and she posted uh like did an Instagram post of like a photo of us together today and and like, you know, tagged me in it, obviously, and like literally right after like I've gained at least 16 Instagram followers today. Like she's apparently the queen of Instagram. There like you she go. has so much power. <laughs> Like, how can one person have so much power? Like, <laughs> Instagram is a foreign land that I don't understand. I don't really understand it either, but I, like, pretend that I do. I don't know. Like, I don't... <laughs> that is fair. That is probably how I know that I'm closer to 30 than anything else. Right. Someone's like, you need to get good at Instagram to get people to hire you. And or I'm like, like no. the, the next frontier is like TikTok or some shit. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just a bunch of teenagers like lip syncing something. And dancing. I don't, I don't and I'm I like, don't dance. They don't I, don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, I only <laughs> dance when I'm drunk. Um, which is why thirty-year-olds should not be on TikTok. I mean, yeah. Actually, the only it's a very occasionally I'll wake up in the morning. Like I'll wake up at like nine or something because that's when I wake up. Um, <laughs> that's when I prefer to wake up is nine a.m. And I'll wake up and I'll pull up my phone and I'll go on TikTok and just swipe my way through just dozens of animal videos like people doing voices of their pets like <laughs> that dumb TikTok shit for that, I love that actually I'm on TikTok are I only have really? two videos on TikTok so far and they are both with the tiny hands like my <laughs> my little Donald Trumpy tiny hands and like that's all that's and literally my bio on TikTok is just tiny handed cellist and there's nothing else I will ever do with TikTok except make stupid videos with those tiny hands. And I like I will own it. Like mark your words, you're gonna be famous by I, for that by I next mean, year. I mean, I'm gonna be famous with probably about twenty people, <laughs> and that's all I I'd need. Be you nine know? people's favorite. That thing. was good enough for me <laughs> before I went touring with the Who, and it's gonna be good enough for me forever. Really, like there you go. <laughs> that's perfect, though. <laughs> 
it's a healthy way to view work thank you thank you i try um i feel like i've tried to explain that to my therapist and i i don't know that she and i are on the same page but like we're trying (laughs) i think if you're if your therapist isn't an artist it's It's really really, hard and it's a really hard thing to describe to your therapist because i've been trying to figure out how to talk to mine about like i feel like there's a lot of explaining that has to happen and understanding and this is this has been my biggest current thing to try to parse through is especially as a female knowing where my ceiling is Uh knowing that everything that we've been doing in chasing after everything yeah and not necessarily knowing what the end goal is because as a freelancer you're just trying to make a living but you don't know where your ceiling is just like hustling 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 yeah Yeah. and at what point is it going to be clear is it ever going to be clear that you've made it this is enough yeah yeah I, I, I and see like what you're saying. trying past that and like shooting through that I feel like our male colleagues have never had the concept of a ceiling it's a hard thing and it's a hard thing to balance like when you're hustling after this and this is our job yeah that is the thing that's been the the struggle of telling people is that this is my job and I work 365 days of the year yeah yeah it kind of feels like motherhood in its own way but there is no paid time off yeah there is no vacation from work ever and even with that at what point you know is it going to be in my 30s maybe my 40s to be like you know what we did the best we could at this and Mm -hmm. now we need to find something else and and not necessarily something else but like finding a desk job finding something that's still industry or or kind of like I mean I think also it's like not necessarily finding like a desk job but like finding being like okay which combination which like combination of things in which proportion are like the right thing to kind of like go with you know what i mean right like, this amount of teach like you could still do like multiple things i think mm-hmm. but i think deciding which one of those things is maybe the most secure like the Stable. right balance of stability and fulfillment maybe yeah um yeah because i i think you can still you can freelance for as long as you want to i think but yeah it's at a certain point i think maybe you do have to without necessarily having to do like a desk job or something that's totally unrelated to music like maybe just figure out which is like the right sort of you know potion the right the right combination of things yeah yeah right oh for sure and there's yeah it's weird. It does take a lot of time to explain that to a therapist, though. I was I was trying. It's hard to explain to my therapist. Like, sorry, I'm burping. Uh, <laughs> I had a burp. Um, yeah. Fun fact: When you're 30, then you start burping. Women don't burp before that, but once you turn 30 and you're a woman, you start burping. I um, cannot <laughs> wait till that day. I'm kidding. I've been burping since literally day one. Great. Um, but Same. Literally day one of all of your skills. Literally that was the you, one you knew. Yeah. I've been A plus at burping forever. Um, but yeah, I was explaining to my therapist and like I'm hesitant to talk to like people at large about this. But like the fact that it's, you know, obviously like the who touring and stuff like is an amazing job. It's right. an amazing opportunity. And I am so grateful to have it and like yeah it's a it's wonderful and but at the same time I feel like 
you know, I also had a career, not the same kind of career, but I had a career before I ever started doing that. And there were things that I cared about and that I've continued to to do and invest time in and invest, you know, even money in. Yeah. Um, that that also mean a lot to me. And and I sometimes feel uh, like um, people, you know, they people don't really haven't really cared about like the other things that I have put so much time and effort into. And then they see that I do the who stuff and they're like, oh, now you're a successful musician, you know, and it's because like people's ideas of what I it's also very subjective. I think what success is like yes. what people think me like equates. Su- wait, hold on. Sorry. English. What people <laughs> equates with success. Like, um, So that's like I've, I've tried to explain that to my therapist and I feel like she, like she kind of gets it. But she kind of doesn't. And then we also yeah. like try to tie that in with like, you know, issues with dating. And like, then it's a whole different fucking Ooh. conversation. <laughs> we need another bottle of champagne before oh my we God. talk about dating. There's lives. more champagne left, buddy. Like, don't <laughs> even worry about it. I got that champagne. <laughs> it's funny that you talk about success. Like in, in that same. Yeah. In that same vein of like people think once you hit a relatability level. Yeah. That they or any type of a name recognition that that's when you've made it yeah um without understanding the insane amount of work that's gone into one how you anybody lands a job like that and then what to do afterwards because these types of jobs don't last forever and and that's where the you know cultivating to make sure that like you still have a stable income after that yeah it's entirely own ball game and uh, yeah it's those are things that I wish that we would have been prepped for more in our degree programs, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> well, and yeah, and and also just having a varied skill set in general, right? You know, I feel I sp- I feel like in our different degree, and I think I'll, there are plenty of institutions that are getting better about this in right. terms of like pivoting and being like, oh, okay, like the music industry changes very rapidly. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we maybe have to prepare our students for like many different kinds of things. But I feel like generally there are a lot of music programs where they are very well equipped to funnel their students into, you know, similarly large institutions, institutions not being like educational institutions, but also like orchestras, um, you know, even like chamber, you know, saying like, oh, you can be in like a quartet. Like that's still right. a very tradition. I would say it's it's definitely very difficult to like make a living as a chamber mm-hmm. musician chiefly. Right. But it's still like a traditional type of form. And I feel like there were and I'm generalizing for sure. But I definitely feel like I talked to a, a few people when I was still in school who were like, oh, like maybe I would do musical theater even as though it was like something they would deign to As a do. treat. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, like my parents like right. have helped me through college, like mainly working in musical theater. Like, right. <laughs> right. Um, and it's just, I think people have, people are confused about <laughs> generally when they go out into the workforce and they're like, how do I make a living? You know? I think we haven't we haven't started a, a good enough dialogue with general society as a whole of the work that's done in conservatory yeah. uh, in the whole of listening to each other in order to understand what's going on. Yeah. Because society loves the 
America's Got Talent, uh, you know, yeah. American Idol concept of fast tracking an underdog and not yeah. knowing the amount of work that goes into Absolutely. being able to sustain this type of a career. I think part of what also like what what is hard about like winning over like your students or your students' parents is that people honestly don't understand that like you're not born with talent i mean certainly like you can be born with like a certain amount of like innate understanding of like certain musical things but sure there's no matter what unless you're a prodigy who's very good at imitation like primarily Mm -hmm. um and that's not to knock you know really accomplished amazing concertizers some of them were child prodigies but then like Anyway, qualifications aside. You can't make unicorns the norm. Right. Yeah. And like you have to, I think you need to, you know, take away terms like genius. Yeah. Take away things like, you know, just stop uh, normalizing the idea that, oh, you're really talented and you can just immediately do something musical. It's like you have to, no matter what, you have to work really hard to be able to play music to be good at it and then to make a living in it um on that yeah not to like toot my own horn i'm not saying like we're amazing (laughs) but that's that's exactly it the amount of work that's gone into it and and people just people assume that some of the things that i do that i'm really good at church gigs wedding gigs things that i just like naturally have an inclination for they're like oh my gosh you're like oh you just just woke up and could do that and you're like like, no no i've played a hundred weddings yeah that's what it comes from is knowing what's going to work for this yeah um on the flip side it drives me absolutely insane with conservatories that they're so out of touch with what contemporary music needs for sure and not contemporary in terms of contemporary classical music right but I went I went into my master's program because I wanted to write musicals and learn how to orchestrate my own musicals. Yeah. That was my impetus for getting a master's degree in music composition. Yeah. I didn't learn that at all. And when I told people there, yeah, I'm here for musical theater, they looked at me like, what? Why are you here? <laughs> what is that? Right. <laughs> I became an anarchist. <laughs> Apologies <laughs> to all of my professors who may at one point listen to this. I was picking fights in all of your class. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one, I waited for someone to say something dumb, and I pounced. <laughs> Sorry. Heidi was actually just like lighting fires and like breaking glass in the back of every classroom a- in her master's. She's crazy. <laughs> I'm a Scorpio with a Gemini moon and a Gemini rising. What else would you expect? I, I knew I was hitting my late twenties when, uh, during times of trouble, my mom would say, "Well, this is what my devotion says," and I would say, "Well, this is what my horoscope says." <laughs> And your mom is like religion and you're like astrology <laughs> they both end up at the same place yeah i mean like they meet in the middle i'm pretty sure um i definitely pulled out a bunch of astrology at my mom's birthday dinner in february but like no one seemed mad about it so it's fine i find that that's a hell of a lot easier to talk about than what i'm actually doing in my career yeah yeah like let me just dissect things that the the stars tell us are going on <laughs> Because you don't want to hear about how I agonized over a common tone modulation for four hours. Wait, can I talk about how... Okay, so one of the projects I'm working on right now is I'm... So in September, I have a performance planned of um, 
So this is sort of an iteration of my singer-songwriter bullshit. I'm so um, excited. When I'm going to be back on my singer-songwriter bullshit. Woo! Um, where I'm covering all of Neil Young's After the Gold Rush because it turns Yay. 50 this year. Yay, 50. And it turns 50 like in September is mm-hmm. what I understand. And so we're doing it in September. And so I'm working on all the arrangements right now. And I was working on um, like trying to do a direct transition because he's got, if you know this album at all, there's um, Till the Morning Comes is like one of the really small little short tracks. And so I was like, well, it'll be weird to do that and then have people clap and then go on to the next thing. So I was going to have a direct transition from Till the Morning Comes into Oh, Lonesome Me. And I was like, oh, like, we'll do a key change like easy. Like I I know theory like I can do a good modulation. And then I was working on it this week and I was like, this sounds like ass. Like I can't do anything. I can't believe I graduated with a master's from any fucking music institution. And I'm like, maybe I'll just make them be in the same key. Like, I don't, I'm just like about to take the easy way out and I just feel like garbage about it. But I'm working through it. I'm working through it. It's a good thing you have until September to figure I it have out. So much time and I'm so stressed about it. You're going to figure it out on a plane where they give you free box Chardonnay. Oh my God. You're playing like. Dublin on St. Patty's Day, aren't you? It's well, it's not on St. Patty's. It's like the day after, so we get to Dublin on St. Patty's Day, and I'm honestly, I'm like, is it worse than Chicago, or is it the same as Chicago, or is it not as bad as Chicago? Because I, I think feel of Chicago like they- is being bad on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, Chicago's awful on St. Yeah. Patrick's Day because yeah. the whole city is an alcoholic, mm. and so. People are drunk and passed out by 9 a.m. Whereas right. I feel like Ireland, you are seasoned drinkers and you know how to at least not That's lose right. a day. I feel like I'll go out and like get a Guinness like yeah. in the land of the Irish people um, because I've heard it's good in Ireland. Maybe a Jameson has a Maybe treat. a Jameson. Yes. I'll get like a shot of Jameson and a Guinness and I'll That's be it. like G2G. There it is. Um, wait, that, wait. That good used to, to go. Mean, you were good. Yeah, it's good to go. It used to mean in on AIM or A yes, AIM. Sorry. I wasn't allowed to have that. Oh <gasps> Heidi. My parents were very strict. Oh, wow. It's probably for the best. They're creepy people. You know. I heard. You heard they not were that they, people? Yeah, now that they were gonna come and find me in the middle of right. nowhere, Wisconsin. I but... definitely went on like random chat rooms when I was like fourteen years old <laughs> without my parents knowing. There it all. is. And like That's obviously, okay. like I mean, I knew at that point like stranger danger. I knew not sure. to like go meet anyone, but I definitely like went on chat rooms and was like, ASL, like where like what's up? Like <laughs> There were no pictures. It's fine. But I was just Wasn't like, yeah, chat, chat rooms. What the fu- I think this was also the summer that I was in San Francisco because my brother and my mom and I, like when I was 14, we went to San Francisco because my dad was working out there at the time. He was working on the road. And so this was like a summer when we could all go out there mm-hmm. and like hang with my dad. And and I feel like, you know, my brother was probably at gymnastics. My parents were like out or whatever. And I think like... I was not hanging out with like other kids. I was just like, sure. Hang like seeing other adults. And then <laughs> I say other adults. I was not an adult. I was seeing adults and seeing San Francisco going to the like Berkeley flea market and being like, I'll live in San Francisco someday. Having no concept of money. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, what a great city. Um, look at these weirdly colored stucco houses in Berkeley. And, um, <laughs> And then, like, apparently just chatting online at 14. 
I'm obsessed. <laughs> I am obsessed. Oh my god. Wow. What a strange wow. Like I had very poor judgment, apparently. The thing you is were I had 14. I had great judgment in like every other way. I was right. such a people pleaser. That's how I've changed now. I was I mean somewhat. I see I say I've changed. I was like such a people pleaser when mm-hmm. I was younger. I was so good about being like, what do my parents want me to do? Like, what do I do? And now I like it. It definitely takes effort for me to be like, my parents are do like want me to do this thing. And I'm just like, no. And they're I think they get confused. <laughs> I think yeah. they're like, what? Wait, what? Why aren't you? Why aren't you? Why aren't you taking our advice? I take a lot of their advice. Also. Oh, of course. They're very wise. Of course. You know, mm-hmm. they're in their 60s. They know what's right. up. Um, they're good boomers. They are good boomers. Um, the best. I think that's also just a, a reflection of the reflection of the career in terms of like when you finally hit that point of like, I don't take unpaid work anymore. Yeah. And I, I'm getting to a point now where I won't even take underpaid work. Yeah. Where girl. I'm just like. No. You know what, Heidi? We're trying to get you <laughs> to a place of um less work, more money. That is the goal. That's what we're trying to do for Heidi right now. It's like just, that is I am I am working for the campaign <laughs> to get Heidi to work less for more money. That is my that is that's that's the train that I, I am on board with. Right I now. appreciate you being the conductor of that train. And I'm just sitting <laughs> back the in the first row in that, you know, nice little seat, hoping no one sits next to me <laughs> <laughs> trying to usurp that train. Um, it, no, it's really funny because like I feel like that was that was my biggest part of growth mm. from 25 to 29. And even 30 and beyond is 25 oh, yeah. to 29. When you're trying to establish yourself, you'll take any work that you can. Yeah. And by the time when you're killing yourself and you're doing the best to be the best person in the room, not to outshine anyone else, but to prove that you are you are deserving of being there, which yeah. is so much more prevalent in people with female bodies than I feel female with or than excuse me, people with male bodies. Like, I want to be ex- as inclusive with this language as I can be. Right. No, I hear you. Sorry, and I'm also distracted no, because I just spilled champagne on myself. I, yeah, I, I am watching this all unfold. <laughs> um, but I took any job that came across my plate. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the jobs that I took were severely underpaid that now when those come across my lap. Now you're like, no, bitch. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. I I. Because Honestly, if you, if you spend the time on those jobs that pay you less, mm-hmm. then you're not going to be able to spend time on jobs that could pay you more on right. opportunity. Or even if they don't pay you more necessarily, like it's you always have to do that like balance of like, will this at least pay me more or maybe at least be like more like it could actually open up other opportunities. In right. The future. Right. And the other thing that I found really interesting in the different communities that I'm in are when certain things come across that are paying X amount of money. Mm. The community at large will say, this is what you need to start valuing your time at. Because if you're, if anyone is taking these gigs at what they're offering, yeah, all of us get devalued. Yeah, it's and, undermining everything yes. else that everyone else is doing. Um, and so I've started doing that with gigs that come across my plate that yeah. just like, not in an asshole way of saying, you can't afford me. Yeah. But... I can't do this because it's not worth my time and how I need to live 
Also, your model is not sustainable. Yeah. And here's why. For sure. And if you want this to continue to be, um, if you want this to be a model with upward trajectory, you have to pay more. Yeah. If you're fine with it living at the level it is, okay, you're <laughs> either going to get a hot shot that won't stay or somebody <laughs> who isn't of the caliber that you're asking for. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like that type of, it's a... It's such a hard game because we all are trying to cut our teeth with different things, but it's not, (laughs) it's not a crime to ask for a living wage. Yeah. And we've had this, especially I'd say over the past 30 years, you've seen the quiet disappearance of the middle-class artist. Mm -hmm. The idea of earning 50, 60 K as an artist so that you can have a living, have a family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Is, and maybe it's, I, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. That's That mentality used to be what it was 30 years ago. Yeah. That that was acceptable. That you were just a, y- you were making a living as an artist. You were doing all of the things. You didn't have to work 100 hours a week. You could be in, you know, be a, be a performer, be a symphony artist, be a, you know, a touring artist, be a record, you know, a, a middle level recording artist Yeah, that didn't need to go on international tours and it was an acceptable living. Yeah. I, I mean, it was like the thing, and it, it's certainly still a thing, but right? it's like, it's definitely not as, it's not super visible. Especially it's to not, our generation. Yeah. It's not visible. It's not celebrated. It's not like pushed as like, oh, you can do this. Right. And and honestly, like, I think that's how, like, when I started this podcast, that was something that I was looking to do was to yeah. try and make people see, like, tr- try to celebrate people who were not necessarily super well known for what they were doing, but were, like, doing it. Right. And putting in the work, like, consistently. And in- I think you've been ma- wildly successful at that. Well, thank you. I you have. That. You have. <laughs> And I've talked to a lot of other people that have graduated from similar master's programs that I have. Mm-hmm. And, like, <laughs> I had a really interesting experience recently. <laughs> I have no idea if you'll edit this out. It's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where at the at the beginning of the year, I was approached to come back and talk to uh, – I graduated from Roosevelt with my mm-hmm. master's. And go back and talk to the composers there. Right. About really anything. Like, the music that I've written or things that I'm doing, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. I – made a presentation that literally I put the Bandersnatch logo in the bottom corner. <laughs> Bandersnatch being the like black mirror, choose your own adventure thing. Yeah. Yeah. Where I was like, here are all of my scores that I c- could talk about. Or do you want to hear me talk to you about how I am making it as a freelancer in this yeah. city, knowing that I can't afford to go to festivals. Yeah. And I'm, you know, that's, I, I'm a essentially, graduating from this degree made me poor I can't do the typical trajectory for like do all these festivals colony hop then go to your master or to your doctorate do you want to hear me talk about the things that I'm writing because I am writing I'm doing all of these things right or do you want me to talk about what life after graduation could look like for you yeah and they opted for that and I said we have an hour 15 at any moment throw up a hand and ask questions because this is for you and I talked about how like I'm (laughs) probably famous last words i'm not i'm never gonna get the pre to rome i'm not chasing after these art music really big things yeah because i prefer to write music for students yeah i can't as a private teacher 
look at the 24 Italian art songs or, you know. <laughs> 24 Hay- Italian hits. That's it. Or, or, you know, a Haydn flute sonata. Yeah. And say, you need to be performing this new music piece instead. Yeah. If the new music piece isn't meeting these kids where they are right. in their yeah. music learning. I feel like people that are just learning their instruments are the ones that are most left behind. Yeah. Yeah. yeah in yeah, terms yeah. of repertoire written for them. Mm-hmm. And it was a great conversation with these composers who were like, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is why I'm getting a degree. I don't have to go to my doctorate. Right. This bitch is working 100 hours a week, but she's doing the things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's like making it work. She's trying at least. Yeah. She has zero personal life and has an insomnia problem, but it's a thing. (laughs) Making a great case for myself on Hinge right now. Oh my God. You're doing great. You're doing great. What are you most looking forward to in your 30s, Audrey? If you could control it, what are you most looking forward to now versus when you turn 20? Oh my God. I remember, you know, when I turn, let me give you an idea of what it was like when I turned 20. And like, I'm not saying that this is really, really like a terrible thing that I'm describing. But at the time, it was very difficult. I was mm-hmm. I was at University of Oklahoma and which overall is a, a wonderful school, wonderful university. Um, it wasn't a great fit for me in terms of the music school and trying to be in kind of a rigorous performance program, mm-hmm. um, at least at the time. This was in... 2008 2009 and um so I was in the midst of transferring so doing all my transfer auditions right around the time that I was turning 20 and I think it was like the day that I got back maybe from uh from my last transfer audition that I turned 20 and at the time, you know, I was, I had terrible performance anxiety. I couldn't get through my performance or through my audition, through my transfer auditions without just like, everything was terrible. Everything was falling apart. I was playing horribly. And, and I could like, I was looking at like people's faces, like when they were listening to me play and watching me just crash and burn. And they felt so sorry for me. And I was like, this is fucking terrible. Um, so that was where I was at, at 20. Um, (laughs) but also at the same time that was happening, I remember getting back from my last audition and going to my friend's house. Um, this was, uh, Christina Giacona and Patrick Conlon, who I went to school with at University of Oklahoma. And I went to their house and, um, they had some old leftover donuts and a brulee torch and they put a donut over the end of the brulee torch and lit the brulee torch and sang happy birthday to me and gave me gin and tonics. So, you know, I, I don't see some of the friends who I had when I was 20 as much as I would like to, but the most important thing to me is that I have, you know, I have really close, wonderful friendships with people like Heidi and other people who I, I work and hang out with. And, um, that's really the most important thing. It's, I, I feel like, you know, if I can keep making a living as a cellist and keep doing this thing where I balance making money with like doing things that I love and do some of that with people who I love, that's, I mean, if I get to do that, like I'm one of the luckiest people in the world. So, um, 
I mean, that sounds very, very sappy. But it's real beautiful. Thank, thank you. It's real beautiful. That's the best I could throw together on. Um, throw the Finding a, Nemo theme uh, underneath that. <laughs> Cut to the Little Audrey cartoon theme. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. What are you? Okay. What are you? What is your? What is? What are your goals for your thirties? What are you most looking forward to? That's what you asked me. <sighs> what am I most looking forward to? I think my like I'm most looking forward to in my thirties is is kind of like you said, just continuing to make art with people that I really love, but mm. also continue to make a living at it. Um, a lot of my early twenties were spent asking, and I don't I don't mean to get weird about this get weird (laughs) get weird Heidi I spent a lot of my early 20s um in my certain uh offices of certain conductors that I was working with asking Mm. them what I would need to do and change about my writing for them to consider it um and I am still all about the collaborative process yeah but I care a lot less about what older men think about me now yeah um and and that was a big change yeah of um of you know my youth to now um over the course of this past fall I lost the two best older men in my life and losing both of my grandfathers within four months of each other and they were both incredible men Mm -hmm. just very kind men very big family men Mm -hmm. people who may not have understood what I did but tried to understand me and respected me and supported me and encouraged Mm me. And I realized that they were so good that if I'm going to continue to have older men be in my circle of the lifestyle as a musician that I've chosen, then they're going to be as good as my grandfather's or I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) They better fucking live up to that standard. But But it's, it's one of those where like, I had some really, really toxic people that I thought if that their opinion completely mattered more yeah. than anything. Yeah. And there are still some things that like as a female creative that really suck in terms of like I, I'm I'm lucky that in terms of my classical music, I don't write a note that's not paid for. That's really lucky. Yeah. And I'm creating a lot of art with a lot of people. But when it comes to the people that I'm working with, like... I'm not getting feedback on how to make my stuff better so that when they go to big competitions, they're taking me with. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a really frustrating thing that in classical music, it's like what I'm looking forward to in my thirties is continuing the work and reminding people that like, if you want to continue working classical music, like be careful that like the men that you're allowing to apologize for things that you would crucify women for, like, be careful of that. That's yeah. going to come back and and not be good for any of us. Yeah. But at the same time, like as much as I can campaign against that, to continue to work, continue to make art with people, like collaborate with you, collaborate with people that, and truly collaborate. Yeah. Making more communal art that we get to continue questions of art about. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Goals for this next year, or my, you know. I'd love to really see where this musical theater thing's going to go. Yeah. Because that's 
that's the killer. When you start writing a musical, it yeah. can take 10 years to see where it's going to go. Wait, speaking of musical. <laughs> wait, so you're allowed to talk about this now, right? I know. Right? I, know. I got okay, the wait, okay. Wait, 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 wait. So Queer Eye. Queer yes. Eye. So, so wait, can you give people a little bit of yeah, background of on, on the whole Queer Eye thing? I can. Okay. Um, so I co-wrote Queer Eye, the musical parody. It's a yes. parody musical with... Um, it's very funny. I have seen it. <laughs> she has seen it. It's great. Um, I wrote it with Evan Mills, who is a delight. Um, he's on one of the touring companies for Second City. He's an incredible performer, incredible writer. Uh, it's It's been just a, a treat to be able to write this with him. And we put it up in a workshop at the playground last year for a bunch of performances it was great and had a blast it was it was it was nuts but it was a good time a really good time with an incredible cast Mm. um that went up in march april and then june and we just signed the contract which means that i can talk about it um (laughs) we are going to be um second city's pride show which is going up in june um, like beginning of June through beginning of July for 15 performances, Mondays through Wednesdays. Tickets are going to be on sale really soon. It's going to be in the Up Comedy Club or Up Comedy Theater. Sorry, I don't have that in front of me right now. <laughs> but uh, it's like a 280 seat house. It's huge. Dope. We're so excited. Nick Wickham's going to be directing. We have an incredible production team. Randy Wallace is great. I'm just going to shout out to everybody that's like kept this show going when I like went yep. off the deep end. Um, <laughs> Eddie Ledford, Evan Starkweather are incredible people. Mm-hmm. I'm probably forgetting someone. I'm just so excited. Um, it's one of those where, like, I've dreamed about being in, I dreamed about performing in musicals when I was a kid, dreamed about writing musicals once I started college. And so to be, to be at this point where something that we've written, albeit, like, it's a parody. All mm. of these characters, like, sort of existed before we started writing them into this parody musical. I love Bobby. <laughs> That's our Eddie. Eddie's I love, great. I love, re- I love real life Bobby and also yep. not real life Bobby. Yep. It's um Wait, do you not call him Bobby? Do you what call do you mean? Him, wait. You're so Eddie. Our wait. our Bobby's name is Eddie Ludford. Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, you mean like the actor who plays him? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying like he had a different name and I was like, no, no his name not. is Bobby. He does not. His uh, The real life character's name is Bobby Burke. I'm sorry. Our character's name is Bobby. We do we do not include the last name in there because right. parody law is real. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I've met with a, I've met with a lawyer. A lot of lawyers. A amount of time about this. Um, but we're really excited. This is a big step forward in terms of this going up. And like the season announcement hasn't come out yet, but I have another musical that will be going up this fall in Chicago. Ooh. That's a folk musical, ghosty folk musical I wrote with Laura Stratford. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that, is that, can I say the name of it? Okay, I won't. I think, I won't. You, I think you can say the name. We just haven't announced with like, with which company it is so go ahead it's, it's called the bone harp yeah and it's gonna came, be great you came to the workshop yeah <laughs> elizabeth swanson's attached like yeah 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 i'm very very lucky to be working as much as i am in this city in musical theater as much of it is storefront so it doesn't pay a living wage <laughs> it's that quote-unquote stipend life that everybody right. can get away with mm-hmm. you know um oh uh, that's another story <laughs> I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Um, we need to start like a socialist musicians podcast. I think that's, that's the it. only. Uh, I think that's it. That's the only solution. Okay, so what I think is that, like, 
app dating and oh, online God. dating has yep. changed somewhat, at least mm-hmm. to a degree, the way that people kind of like approach dating and relationships and all that kind of thing. Like, I don't, I feel like the method of seeking out love has changed how we approach it. I would agree. Yeah. Um, I personally struggle a lot with the apps. I yeah. struggle with um, meeting people on those. And I know that everybody struggles and everybody sucks at it and blah, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Um, but also you hear about these people who are like, I got married to somebody I met on Twitter. And you're like, fuck you. I hate you. I would be but fine not on actually. Twitter. I'm Tinder, sorry. the other hand. Or, sorry, not Twitter. <laughs> Tinder. Sorry, I meant Tinder. If sorry. you're on New Music Twitter and you want to go on a date, hit oh me up. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> I think <laughs> I think the, the struggle for me is you go back and forth between this Midwest humility of oh, like, yeah. and I literally had a woman take me aside when I was younger and really excited about something and talking about something. And a woman came up to me and said, women don't talk about themselves. <gasps> Their reputations precede them. And then you punched her in the mouth. I wish I would have. <laughs> I wish I would have. But well, I make it sound like I'm very violent as a person and I promise I'm not. It's all good. You're on Twitter. It's I'm what not- everybody does. <laughs> I literally tweeted about false eyelashes serving as like wings to fly you out of a situation today. So like that tells you about my Twitter presence. It's perfect. Please continue. No, it's okay. Um, So I'm dealing with this like Midwest humility and like trying to make myself seem attractive online when it's like, it'd be better for me to ship you my CV and my (laughs) current work schedule. Be like, are you on board with this pace that I'm on? Because I am on this highway where I'm going a certain pace and I am very busy and important. And um, I need you to keep up. It's not even so much that, but it's like, don't waste my time. And like, (laughs) I have, I have spent the better part of the past decade understanding how small. Yeah. uh, Men that have been in my not even necessarily dating, which is like yeah. even in my collaborative sphere, how small they've made me feel and how I won't accept that going into my 30s. Yeah. And so, and I don't say that from like a bitchy, you know, vindictive standpoint, but it's like I have worked so hard for the things of where I am that I want to meet somebody that even if they don't necessarily understand what I'm doing, know that like... They're behind you 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, and even if they're not musical... Like, that's fine. I yeah. want to just make sure that, like, it's it's one of those where, like, I have a... I'm working on my next Cheaper Than Therapy to go up in, in June. Yes, bitch. And, and one of my jokes for that is, like, when it comes to big dick energy, I'm a grower, <laughs> not a shower. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but how to, how to tell somebody that online? Like, right. I knew that the apps were wrong for me when I met somebody who told me that he was a musician and I'm like mm-hmm. cool and realized that music was his hobby and I'm like that's totally right. great right, 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 that's right, right. great that's fine right but he sent me his SoundCloud which was all ukulele covers of songs in oh, the no. key of C oh no and I'm like okay oh, that's no. fine you're a hobbyist and he's like what's your music and, and I you're sent like him, I fucking do this for a living bitch no you I didn't say that because you're nice sent him my 27 minute harp concerto <laughs> And it wasn't a power move. I just don't know how to date. And it That's the best thing did, I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it did not go well after that. And so That's his fault. <laughs> he needs to get it together. I've just resigned myself to the fact that like if I'm gonna date someone, it's somebody that my friends are gonna set me up with. 
like because I can't do the apps. The thing is, occasionally, like I've had an experience where somebody's like, "What about this person?" I'm like, "Have you met me?" Like, I don't. (laughs) That's happened to me before, and I'm like, "We can't talk about this anymore." (laughs) Right, right, and but I think yeah, no, I could see. Mm -hmm. I I definitely understand like where you're like, okay, it has to be. You know, right? Definitely not dating app means like yeah, yeah. I've and I think the best le- the best lesson I learned in my twenties was the idea that like you can fall head over heels in love with someone who is the wrong person to build a life with. That is absolutely true. Like <laughs> like a Sagittarius, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my dad and my brother in law are both Sagittarius. I'm sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm just ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> or rather, I'm not kidding, but I'm generalizing. Understood. Understood. <laughs> Um, like all Sagittarii. Um, (laughs) You just made it plural. (laughs) Like it was Latin. I went there. (laughs) I think the, the notion for me is like, we were fed so many Disney fairy tales because we grew up in the nineties Yeah, and grew up with the idea that when you meet a person that you fall in love with, that it's going to work. Yeah. And you just have to like make it work. Right. Or, and, or you have to kill yourself. You have to, you have you have to, to give up your yourself. voice. Literally. <laughs> God damn it. What Ariel. What would I give <laughs> if I could live out of these waters? Literally your entire personhood. What a dumb bitch. <laughs> Get it together, Clearly Ariel. Clearly a man was writing that song. <laughs> okay. Earl. Sorry, that was a very strange name to come up with. Howard or Alan? Howard? Okay. I don't know. Earl sounded so close to Ursula. Earl. I didn't know where you were going with that. So. What do you want for your 30s? Um. Okay, so I'm in this new apartment, and I love it, and I'm going to continue to decorate it mm-hmm. the way that I want to, and according to my vision, and... And a lot of it is going to be, you know, centered around my bunny child because I, I will love draw her. a stick figure bunny just for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I'm like, I'm going to buy a, a bed. I've been sleeping on like a fold out couch bed. That's what I've been sleeping on because I was in a studio apartment. So I'm going to buy a bed and it's going to be amazing. Highly and, recommend. Yeah. Like I've heard beds are great. Um, <laughs> this is what I've heard. Get yourself a queen size bed. I'm going to get a bed um, i bought a queen size bed thinking i might share this with someone someday right, hell no it's just for me that's my, it's i'm gonna starfish in it and then yes. if like should i meet a man should i meet a man he's gonna be allowed here on a part-time trial basis as a treat yeah exactly as a treat when he wants to sleep <laughs> in my amazing future memory foam queen size mattress and visit my adorable bunny and, and when it's no longer a treat and it's a and full-time thing, you're getting a king-size bed because like, you deserve that well, space. And then maybe he get like, he is accepted on a trial basis. And then if he <laughs> accepts or if he passes like a rigorous like screening process, which could take one to two years. He requires six interviews with me. Yeah. Like he needs a, like it's a stringent interview process. Yes. Then he is allowed to like maybe come here a little more often <laughs> but he still has to have his own place because like bitch i need my practice time okay this is true i have a lot to do i have a lot to practice i write music yes like deal with it like yes. that's where i'm at so that's where that's i'm perfect. at for my 30s i'm just like Maybe like we'll let in some people, but they might be riffraff. And then we'll. <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and like Gina Linetti is like really my inspiration right now. Um, so like he just like 
bitch better be worth it. That's yes. all I'm saying. Like, he needs to, like, get his house in order, and then maybe he can be allowed in my house. Okay? That's it. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm good. at. Good. That's my final answer. It's a good final answer. <laughs> What's an artistic project you want to take on in your 30s? Oh, my God. Dream, dream big. Ooh. Okay. Well, so I just keep doing, like, these EPs. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, I'm not They're very, very good. Um, thank you for buying my most recent EP. Of course. That was very nice of, of you. Of course. You bought my Grisha's album. We're um, great. <laughs> which is also very great. Um, I love it. Cheers to great Bandcamp albums. Yes. Cheers to Bandcamp. Everybody just like get on board with Bandcamp. Right. That's a great thing. Um, so, so I've been doing just like, I, I did my first EP in, let me see, it was 2015. I did my next EP in 2017. I'm hoping to release another EP I shouldn't say this out loud, but I'm hoping to release another EP later this year, 2020. And then I'm hoping like maybe the next year or the year after to release a full album to like get that shit together. Um, It's just like hard to do, you know, Mm -hmm. when like, you know, if you're doing a million other things and um, I also write in slow motion. So (laughs) to be honest, I no crime in that. It's hard to like. And I think it's also like um, it's not like Tolstoy wrote War and Peace overnight. Well, I mean, I am equating my future full album to War and Peace, but (laughs) um, (laughs) but it's it's almost like call me Ishmael. And I'm like, that's the wrong book. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, I won't judge you. Um, but like, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to do like a full album, but I think also I've like, it's hard to turn off kind of yourself, your self editing, self censorship kind of muscle that's like, oh no, that's bad. Um, and just like, right. You know, the way like, like people who write like prose, like they Mm -hmm. just write every day. And I think it's important for people who write music to write every day. And that's what I'm hoping to, to get better about doing and, I also love arranging. I find arranging to be very soothing, awesome. which is partly why I'm doing like the whole Neil Young thing later yeah. this year. And I'm hoping to keep like covering albums. I think I like wrote down a couple of other albums that are turning, you know, turning a certain, you know, iconic number, mm-hmm. <laughs> iconic birthday number um, in the next couple of years. I think maybe Carol King's like tapestry album is turning nice. 50 very soon. Heck yes. Um, so I was thinking of maybe trying to do that. Um, if you need a keyboard keyboardist for that, oh, hit me up. Oh girl. Like I was, <laughs> yes. Good. Um, and I'm hoping to do that and hoping to like also on the, you know, because I play so much new music, I'm, you know, I just commissioned like a piece recently to do sort of like a prairie state tour of like contemporary classical kind of stuff. So obviously like that kind of thing is always like ongoing. I'm always trying to do more of the like contemporary classical kind of stuff. Like the, if you were to split all music into commercial and non-commercial, like my commitment to non-commercial music is obviously very like strong and very high. So, um, and obviously, like, I think you and I should also write a musical together Hell someday. I think yeah. that would be the tits. I agree. So, like, Completely. we should do that. Let's do it. What about you? Also, it doesn't have to be a musical. We could just collab. <laughs> we could also just collab. We could also do that. We could do whatever. We could do whatever Literally we want. whatever. Um, <clears throat> what do I want for my 40s? I would love to get a musical as far in New York as I can. Oh, yeah. And, like, I don't like New York. Mm-hmm. New York... <laughs> 
I always joke, New York is my favorite place to leave. Because um, <laughs> I love it when I'm there. And then when I'm finally at like LaGuardia on my way home, I'm like, like oh, this, is, this is right. Yeah. This is exactly You're where like, I need to be. Home, remember Chicago? Yes, yep. it's great. Yeah, um. <laughs> exactly. And like, I don't hate New York, but the idea of like, I've, I've had conversations with so many people that are like, you need to be here and just like suffer for 18 months. And, and I'm you're like, like, that sounds fucking terrible. Why would I do right, that? Right. <laughs> I mean, do you want to talk to my antidepressant and anti-anxiety about yeah. suffering for 18 months? Yeah, like we're, we're doing pretty well on our own here. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Those> bananas. <laughs> right. And now you're adding money issues into it. Yeah. Like eat me. No. <laughs> and also like be on a train with like 50 other people like right. all the time right. i don't mind that i don't mind the mta as much but i, I don't I would, mind the mta although like i do hear people okay like side note sorry mm-hmm. people complain about like public transportation here and i'm like have you been to new york <laughs> like i've literally experienced <laughs> more worst. delays in a week of being in new york than yeah. i have in like uh what like three years of right. being in chicago like anyway exactly (laughs) no it's all good and so i mean i'd love to see where the musical theater thing is going Mm -hmm. and the worst part is is in terms of my particular skill set i without the alcohol being my liquid courage here (laughs) i'm a good writer i'm a good orchestrator i'm a good music director and you have to be all of those i can attest you are all of those things (laughs) thank you you have to be all of those to be considered for one of them in new york Mm. which or even here and that's really frustrating as a female and so I don't care to work out there because I can't do the, oh, would you spend 12 hours transcribing this or $50? Like, no, no, I can't because that's not sustainable. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Where I've made it and, and or where I am currently in life and the bills I have to pay. Yeah. So if a musical makes it out there, like I'll relocate for what it takes, but I don't know what that's going to mean Yeah. for the five musicals I currently have my hands in. Yeah. And so it'd be nice to see where that goes. I'm definitely open. There's a New Yorker that wants to hire me for a living wage. Sure, I'll consider moving. <laughs> but for right now, no. Um, big dreams in the next 10 years. If I end up married and am lucky enough that the world has not set itself on fire to where I can carry a child. Um <laughs> quite literally um my my dream commission Mm -hmm. my dream commission is because i do want to be a mom yeah i want someone to pay me that's i know industry rate industry rate that i want to write a an oratory i want to write a magnificat Mm -hmm. while pregnant because the idea of the magnificat in you know christian lore is it's mary rejoicing over the fact that this angel just just told her she's pregnant oh shit Every Magnificat's been written by a freaking dude. And you're like, bitch, you are pregnant. Right. right. And every type of piece that's been written about birthing a child and birthing a child, even from a um, religious standpoint, has always been by a dude. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, that would be really special, especially if it's my first kid, to have this commission that I get to write in the experience of actually like growing a human. Would it be okay? Wait, you would write it while being pregnant, yes. or like immediately after? Oh, during, and then, and then you would finish it after. after. Potentially, okay. Depending okay. on depending on what that time frame looks yeah. like. Yeah, obviously you can't like n- super nail that down. 
Right. Uh, <laughs> can't exactly like biology. Write that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Can't exactly like write that to be. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know, write the grant to be like. <laughs> so I will get pregnant this month. We can't control that. Pay me to do that and do nothing but write music about the situation. You yeah. know, write about the morning sickness. Write about the the fear. Write about everything that I have to give up. Yeah. Everything I have to hit pause on for nine months that I'm willing to do because I want to be a mom. But like. Yeah. Right That's about the chicken enchiladas you have to eat so in order to go into labor. Many burritos. I may be speaking from my mother's <laughs> own experience. She ate chicken enchiladas and then went into labor with me. That's perfect. And then my- tried to go to sleep and then was like, I'm in labor. I have to go to the hospital. <laughs> my favorite story about my mom giving birth to me is that... Uh, I was born face up and nearly cracked her tailbone. Oh, my God. And I've been a pain in the ass ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Mom. That is amazing. (laughs) Sorry, Mom. You've been a pain in the ass ever since. Oh, man. Mom. Mom. I love her. Heidi. Audrey, I love you. I almost just fell off the couch. I know. <laughs> Heidi, just watch that happen. Heidi Justin. Audrey is Snyder. The best. And You're the best. She helped me celebrate my birthday, and it is just one of the best birthdays I've ever had. Happy so, birthday, Audrey. Thank you, Heidi. I'm so excited to see how you thrive in your 30s. You too. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers. Love you. Cheers.